Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. This is the Fireside Chat. Comes to you every week, even during quarantine. Which means, am I allowed to even say this? That people come to my house to make this video possible. Uh, I, the risk that I'm taking is breathtaking. All right, look, uh, you, you, by now many of you know my view, uh, and I will... I will invite you to read my columns on this issue and to uh, listen to past or watch past fireside chats. You know, I think some words need to be said at the outset about the word safe. So we have a meme now up at PragerU, and it says, until it's safe means never. This notion of the pursuit of safe is life-suppressing. It's true for your, your own individual life, and it is true for the life of a society. I always give this example. I have been uh, taking uh, visitors to Israel for many years, and this is a typical call that I will get, and I have for decades. Dennis, oh, I would so love to visit Israel, but I, I'm just going to wait until it's safe. So, of course, this this proceeds by decades, the, the current coronavirus uh, um, quarantine and lack of sense of safety. And I, I always told these people, I said, well, I don't understand what that means until it's safe. Then you'll never go. And sure enough, they never went. And I've been gone. I've been visiting there like, I don't know, I've gone there over 20 times. I have never, I have never led my life on the basis of until it's safe. And I don't take ridiculous risks. I, I don't believe in that. So I wear a seatbelt every time I'm in a car. That's a ridiculous risk. Because if you're in a bad accident, the chances are overwhelming that a seatbelt can save your life. So, uh, of course, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't do bungee jumping. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's completely safe. Uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, unnecessary risks are, are pointless. But, but in order to lead a full life, you can't, you, you are not on earth to be safe. You are on earth to lead a full life. You know, maybe this is a good time to remind people, and I'm not being facetious at all, uh, everyone dies. Everyone. And uh, I knew this when I was young. I, I, uh, that's why I started writing about the afterlife and the whole question about that when I was in high school. I thought about these things. And, you know, of course, it's very, it's so remote when you're young that correctly, it should not preoccupy you. Of course, there's something wrong with you if death preoccupies you when, when you're 18 years of age. It doesn't preoccupy me, and I'm way beyond 18 years of age. But, but I know it's inevitable. And so uh, I, I know that I don't want on my tombstone, as it were, I don't want my epitaph to be, he led a safe life. <laughs> it's like another epitaph I don't want. Uh, he uh, he uh, had as little pain as possible. 
I, I, I don't want pain and I, I, I like safety, but I, I don't live to have a painless life and I don't seek to always be safe. I don't even know what that means. Then you don't live. I, I went to 130 countries. Some of them were not super safe. And anyway, nothing is super safe. What does it mean safe? Is safe stay, safe doesn't exist. There are, there, there are uh, degrees of safety, clearly. But anyway, that's not the point. I never think about that. And that, that's part of the reason I've led such a rich life is because I don't think what's safe. It, uh, I mean, just a little example, which I've never, I've never uh, talked about. So uh, I've, I, I have conducted an orchestras for much of my adult life, periodically. I will. Uh, I, I raise funds for orchestras by conducting uh, a symphony with them, for example, as I did the, the best known one is at the Disney Concert Hall. I conducted the Santa Monica Symphony Orchestra. I've, I taught myself to conduct when I was very young. I, I did learn how. I am not a professional conductor, but I, I think I do pretty, pretty okay. The first time, though, that I did it, I was, I don't get nervous, okay? I, I, I don't, you know, I could stand in front of 10,000 people and it's like talking uh, to friends. It, 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 these things uh, don't make me, me, make me nervous, but I was very nervous the first time I, I conducted an orchestra. And it was a rehearsal. I was so nervous, I was actually dripping sweat onto the score. I'll never forget this, as I saw droplets falling onto the score. And I, and I don't sweat like that. It's just, you know, I, as I say, I don't get nervous. But I was, and I knew it because that's not my field. I was standing up in front of people who, who are, are professional or advanced non-professionals. Uh, so... I knew th this is not my field. Can I do a good job? Can I, can I show them I know what I'm doing? I, I was aware of that. What I did was I didn't play it safe. Playing it safe would have meant I didn't take the invitation to conduct an orchestra. That would have been the safer thing to do. And the truth is, at my very first rehearsal, I was so nervous, I lost the place in the score. By the way, I'll never forget, the orchestra fell apart. And I, uh, I looked at the orchestra and I said, I'm, I said, I'm really embarrassed. But on the other hand, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is, I lost my place. The good news is, the fact that you fell apart means you were actually looking at me <laughs> and, and I meant that it was so sincere I had this vision that they were going to totally ignore me they'd watch the first violin who was going to really the first violinist the concert master as they're called that person would do the real conducting and I would just be there with a the baton but it really wow holy crow they really are following me so anyway I didn't play it safe by doing that. And that's a good example. It, it, all of life confronts you with these questions. Are you going to play it safe? You play it safe, you don't get married. You play it safe, you don't have kids. It, 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 that, that's, that's playing it safe. There are real risks in getting married. 
There are real risks in having kids. You don't know how they'll turn out. You can be the greatest parent in the world. How do you know they, they won't have a, a, a debilitating illness? Even if you're the greatest parent in the world, you can't do anything about that. The, so uh, I, I know how bad this notion of safe ha- is in, a, in a, an individual's life and in a society's life. Till it's safe. So I won't, I won't travel till it's, is it safe to go on a cruise? You know, people now will ask that. Of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a cruise with, with listeners the day they allow cruising to begin again. That's, but, you know, is it safe? What does it mean, is it safe? What people really say is, is it perfectly safe? That's what they really mean. Or take the issue of, of, of the word safe on campuses. Safe is used to suppress, to suppress thought. Oh, well, if we have a conservative speaker, uh, it, it, we need a safe space. That's how we got the name of the movie, No Safe Spaces, which you should be watching at some point during, your, during this time. It's available now, nosafespaces.com. It's a really terrific movie with Adam Carolla and myself in it, but uh, the movie is, is, is beyond both of us. But obviously we're in it a lot. Uh, no safe spaces is about safe spaces. That's what they say. This is now the word to suppress freedom on campuses. Heather McDonald, this brilliant, brilliant woman uh, from uh, the City Journal, one of the great uh, magazines of our time. Uh, so he- Heather McDonald went to a campus, uh, or, or, or was it? Or, or she, uh, she and and also another woman, Christine Hop Summers. They both went. Another brilliant woman. Uh, uh, and they went to uh, campuses, and uh, one of them or both of them spoke about this. Not just not true that campuses are a rape culture. By the way, there's proof it's not true because parents send their daughters there. <laughs> Would you send your daughter to a rape culture? I mean, it, it's so obviously a gigantic lie that the campuses. And I don't like campuses. I hate defending them, but I I do love defending truth. Campuses are not rape cultures. It's, it's, it's just it's a gigantic lie. So the, these two women in, di- in different speeches went to speak about this, and uh, they opened up a safe space for all women who just hearing that it's not a rape culture would feel unsafe. Why would you feel unsafe? There's something wrong with you if you feel unsafe because a woman came to college to speak about the statistics about rape on campus, that it's not a rape culture. If anything, she's there to make you feel safe. That's the irony. <laughs> so people go, a conservative speaker comes, they go to a safe space where they, they you know, they're given Play-Doh and hot chocolate and, and uh, stuffed animals. I'm not joking. That's what they do on, for, for people who are 18 to 22 years old on average. Safe. The, the, the word has become a dirty word. Uh, in, in my, in, I, I never use it. It's such an interesting thing. I never use it. It's like, uh, it's, uh, it's my, it's why I live fully. It's why one of the reasons I'm a happy person is because I live a full life. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of a trivial example, but life is filled with trivial examples, right? Most of life is not major moments. So if I, if I am at a restaurant and my, my fork or knife falls, I pick it up and use it. They rush over to give me a new one, like I am flirting with death 
if I, if I take the fork from the floor. And, and my view is, there's no reason to come over. The fork fell on the floor. What did it pick up? Diphtheria? Am I going to get uh, uh, pancreatic cancer from, from a fork that fell? Th th these, these things, I, I, I'm not troubled by these things. There are things that aren't safe. It isn't safe to curtail a whole country's rights. That's not safe. That's the irony. This is, which is what I was going to talk about, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it on safe. The safe word is going, to, is going to suppress your joy of life, your joie de vivre. It's not safe. God, when I, uh, when I, when I was 21 years of age, and, and by the way, there's, a, there's a, a kid in, in the movie who acts me at 21. It's a great scene. I was sent to the Soviet Union, the then Soviet Union, to smuggle religious items in to Soviet Jews and to smuggle names of Jews who wanted to escape out because it was, it was a particularly anti-Semitic place. And uh, I went for four weeks because I knew, I knew Russian and I knew Hebrew, so I was the perfect person to send for, for those reasons and hopefully others. Anyway, I went. Was it safe? It wasn't safe. I was, I, was, I was in a totalitarian state, smuggling in things they don't want, religious items, smuggling out things they didn't want taken out, names of people who want to leave. It wasn't safe. Uh, but, I, but it was one of the, the, the most important things I, I've done in my life. Not to mention what a rich, what a rich uh, experience that it was, a, a life-forming a life experience. By the way, it was so not safe, I'll never forget. I called my dad. I was in England for the year studying, so I didn't come home when I was supposed to. I came home a month late. I was supposed to come home in September to finish College of the United States, but I came a month late uh, to go to the Soviet Union, September that year. So I called my father. In those days, you didn't make transatlantic phone calls. It's not like now where you Skype and, 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 and FaceTime and all this, let alone phone calls. It, it was a very expensive and very difficult. You had to tell an operator to call and then you, you get through. Anyway, I called my dad. It was, I you know, spoke to him twice that year. That was it. We, I did write letters, though. Anyway, uh, so I told him, Dad, I, you know, I'm, going, I'm going to do this in the Soviet Union. And, but I'm telling you because I don't know if we want to tell mom. He says, I am not telling your mother. Because she, she won't be at peace for the next month. She won't sleep. And, and so he made up an excuse that I'm staying in England for an extra month. And she didn't know I was in the Soviet Union till I arrived back in New York. <laughs> it's an amazing story, actually. And uh, she got nervous then. <laughs> Hello, Mom, I'm here. I'm fine. But uh, yes, it wasn't safe. You know what my father said? I'll never forget this to his great credit. He said, you know, I, I spent uh, two and a half years on a ship in World War II uh, fighting in the Pacific. So if you give up this month, okay, it's clear he doesn't find this riveting. In fact, he finds it sleep-inducing. My hope is this is only true for Otto and not you. Okay, little fella, you're the best. All right.
anyway, uh, he said, you know, if you, it, it's okay. Uh, I took risks for, for freedom and, and for, for ideals and for America. You, you take this risk. That was his answer. Yeah, he was worried. But, but he, he enlisted in World War II. He didn't have to. He, he, he was old enough to avoid the draft, and, be, and he had a child. But he enlisted. Let me tell you something. Being on a ship in the Pacific, a transport, he would bring over Marines uh, to, to, uh, to islands uh, around uh, Japan in the Pacific. Those were really targeted because the Japanese wanted them sunk. It wasn't safe. The, the, you know, they call the World War II generation the greatest generation. They are a great generation. I don't know, the greatest, doesn't matter. They were a great generation. The last thing they ever asked in their lives was, is it safe? And, 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 and now, when, when I think of, of how, how the word safe is the, is, is the be-all and end-all word? Is it safe? I've, I don't remember asking that. That's why I've led a good life, a full life. That's what you should want to live. These are wimps at college telling you about a safe space. They're cowards making you cowardly. That's the irony. They don't lead full lives, and they don't want you to lead a full life. And, and that's the, the same thing now, is it's safe. Last Friday night, I went for a Sabbath dinner, Shabbat dinner, with, with seven friends at, at, uh, at a home in Santa Monica, California. Uh, I assume that's against the, the edict of the governor of California. So, was it, was it safe? Of course it was safe. Was it perfectly safe? Nothing's perfectly safe. But it was safe. It wasn't eight strangest people I know. But I, but I, I, I don't want to deprive myself of life uh, during this time. People go for the Easter service in the United States. They went to Easter service in their cars in the church parking lot. And the police uh, gave them summonses. They stayed in their cars. How could that not be safe? We're, we're going crazy on the, on the, the safe issue is going, to, is going to make a police state. That's my worry. Because in the name of safety, everybody drops all other considerations, like at college. So, uh, generally speaking, that's not the question. You can ask, is it safe? But it shouldn't be the determining element on what you do in life. Pick the fork up and use it. Okay, time for your questions. Anyway, get that meme. It's at PragerU, right? Yes. Uh, until it's safe means never. Okay, time for your video question. All right. Whoops, I expressed the wrong thing. Here we go. Here we go again. Here we go. Hi, my name is Sadie Irgood. I'm 16 years old. I'm a Prager Force influencer and I'm from Charlotte, Michigan. So I was just wondering, how do you respond to people who blame capitalism for the economic hurt during this whole pandemic? 
Well, thank you, Sadie. And as I was saying earlier, I was saying this to Megan, you are a young woman, not a girl. It's it's a great compliment. You just radiate uh, maturity. Maturity is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Anyway, I hope we meet one day. Thank you for being on Prager Force. Now, that, I can't tell you uh, how depressing, not you, obviously, the question is that people say this. How on God's earth is capitalism responsible for the fact that the government mandated that people not work? <laughs> what, what is the connection? That is almost like saying, if I took a baseball bat and broke your knee and then said, you know, it's uh, baseball that's responsible. But it's not baseball that's responsible. It's the one who wielded the bat that's responsible. The government takes away tens upon tens of millions of people's livelihood and, and, and the government's not blamed. Capitalism is blamed. Capitalism didn't take away. Capitalism gave them their jobs. That's how, they, that's how they made a living, thanks to capitalism. The lowest unemployment rate in the Western world was the United States, thanks to capitalism. What's the solution? Have the government hire everybody? That's communism. That's what I think a lot of people would like. That's no question. They should be honest. But, but this, is, this is absurd. How are we doing, guys? Oh, that's Snoopy. That's the other dog. I hear, I hear the pitter-patter. Okay, Nathan, you'll probably want to let him out. Everybody would like to see him. Is there any way to, to get, uh, or it would be, we, we'd, they've seen him? Okay. In the past fire side check, because if we turn the camera, it'll be complex. Bye-bye, Snoop. Take care. At least Otto hangs around. Of course, he's totally out of it. I mean, the guy, we didn't even give him a sleeping pill. We don't give him a sleeping pill, just for the record. Okay, uh, it's the government created, 100% government created crisis, 100%. And if it's solved, capitalism will solve it. Governments do not produce wealth. Only capitalism produces wealth. No capitalism, no funds to the government. Eben, or Eben, in London, 14 years old. Hello, Eben. How smooth do you think America's economic recovery from this lockdown will be? Do you think that the free market will enable a swift and adequate recovery? To the extent that there will be a recovery, it will only be the free market. Uh, all the government could do is, is, is print more money. Do you understand, young people? I want you to understand something. Uh, when you think, oh, government, government. Do you know what the government has done in the United States? It is printed. It is just printed. Trillions of dollars. A trillion is a thousand billion. You know what that means? It means the dollar will be worth less. So what? It, it's literally taking money from people's paychecks. Because what you could buy with $100 before, it will take $120 to buy now. That's, what, that's why there's such a thing as inflation. Listen, if you keep printing money, you could solve every problem, theoretically. Big government is going to, is going to come to haunt you, who, those people your age, uh, even, whether it's in, in the UK or in the United States, because it, it takes on so much debt. 
somebody's going to have to pay it one day or, or it will economically collapse. Do I think there will be a quick uh, recovery? I have no idea. I truly have no idea. It's a very, uh, it's a very tough, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I don't make predictions. I only know what needs to be done. I don't know what will work. Okay. Jennifer, 35. This isn't a question. Sorry to send this way, but are you aware that it is not wise to boast that you will not be following a law? Regardless of whether the law is logical, reasonable, or how easy it is to follow, it is still the law, and you are bound to follow it. Your, your most previous fireside chat, I guess on your most, you mentioned you would rather have a fine for not wearing a mask and will not be wearing one. Yes, this is a minor law, but I just wanted to point this out to you. It's a very fair uh, point or question. Anyway, I didn't say I wouldn't wear a mask. I said I wouldn't wear a mask outdoors. That's, that's, that's absurd. Uh, I, I take walks uh, outside my house and I am, <laughs> and I am alone. And uh, there was, uh, I, this is a real tension in life. We have to be law abiding, but if you're too law abiding, when, when bad things happen, uh, you don't want people law abiding. The best people uh, in, in Germany in the 30s didn't obey the law. The best people in the Soviet Union uh, from 1917 to, to 1989 did not obey the law. Uh, it's a very tough question. Uh, what about, uh, by the way, what about all the states that make, or cities that make sanctuary cities and violate American law by doing so with regard to illegal immigrants? Did you ever ask them that question? And I dare say that's a much bigger deal about violating the law than whether I wear a mask taking a walk alone. Indoors, if I go into a grocery store, I will, of course I'll wear a mask because I'm, I'm near people. It's, in, it's indoors. And uh, I, uh, I understand. First of all, you can't get in if you don't. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to raise a, a, an issue at a store. I totally get it. But for, for people uh, jogging, walking alone, taking a walk with their, with their wife or their kids, that, that, that's, it's, it's absurd. And uh, at a, there's a certain level of absurdity that I, I will not bend to, and I prepare to take the consequences. Anyway, civil disobedience in the United States has a very, very, uh, a, a very noble uh, history, right? Rosa Parks wouldn't sit in the back of a bus because the disgusting law of, of blacks had to sit in the back of a bus in, in, in southern, some southern cities in the United States. Should she have obeyed the law? So, so it's a tension, I admit. It, it is a tension. If everybody just obeys laws they agree with, it's a very, you have chaos. That's true. On the other hand, if everybody obeys every law, uh, you, you have no morality. So it's, it, it's, 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 I admit, it is a tough, it's a tough issue. Will, 29, Providence, Rhode Island. Dear Mr. Prager and Otto, Otto, this is to you. So pay attention. I hope both of you, your family, and your canine companion are well in this trying time in America. Aren't you in America? Oh, yes, you are. I am single, but a topic caught my interest. You have mentioned that divorce rates might go up due to the lockdown in Fireside Chat, episode 130. What episode is this? 32. 132. Have you ever considered the opposite scenario might occur and rates go down? 
due to the result of the lockdown forcing people to face their marital problems instead of going out and committing adultery, which leads to divorce. Thank you for taking the time to read this question. Great question. I think you're right. I think that some couples will, in fact, uh, resolve uh, their issues. By the way, talking about adultery, I, 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 I was thinking something else when I read your question. It's uh, virtually impossible right now to have an affair. And, uh, uh, and so people who are having an affair aren't having an affair now. I mean, they're, they're home with their, with their spouse, uh, presumably. And uh, there's nothing they can do about it. That might, in fact, make both members of the affair rethink the affair. So you're quite right. It could go in the other direction. I think there's yet another direction this might go. I think more people will marry as a result of this. Because people who are alone are thinking, whoa, I, th- I think I would rather be with somebody who's committed to me. And, and they're right. I, I thank God that I'm in a happy marriage and, and it's, a, it's a joy to be with my wife here. I would not want to be alone. I wouldn't. I would have visitors all the time. But that's that's a still a separate issue. It's they're still not your your you know, it's still not your spouse. So there may be three results: some divorce, some reconcile, and some people deciding to marry. We're at thirty. Perfect timing. Okay, a lot of great questions left, which is always good. So, my friends, safe is not the way to lead your life. Neither is unsafe. You're not going to presume, you don't, it's, it shouldn't be the operative thing. Once again, the meme up at PragerU is, until it's safe means never. I came up with that in, in one of my radio shows, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's a very, it's a good line. I'm, I'm glad somebody heard it and made a, this wonderful meme out of it. By the way, I do want to remind you, since you're at home anyway, uh, give, give a thought to my, uh, my book, The Rational Bible. I have two volumes out. Uh, it's, uh, it's life-changing, and it, it answers a lot of these questions about these great ultimate questions of life. So give it a try. The Rational Bible, either Genesis or Exodus. I'm working, obviously, on a third. It's going to be five volumes, working on the third volume. That's been the one silver lining here. I've gotten a lot of work done. Uh, I, I miss lecturing. I miss traveling. I, I miss a lot of things. I miss restaurants. I, I miss... I, I, I will tell you what I really miss. The mask does bother me for the same reason the veil does. It's dehumanizing. We are known by our face. I don't want Americans or any other people to get used to wearing a mask. This may be a necessary evil, but it should be for a very limited time. Until it's safe is not the time we should stop wearing the mask. Okay, everybody, I'm Dennis Prager. This is Otto. We both thank you and see you next week. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.